0: Take your Bibles tonight, take your Bibles and turn to Second Timothy chapter number 3, 2 Timothy chapter number 3, we <clears> We're <throat> going to read the first seven verses tonight, Second Timothy chapter number 3, and then we will go on uh, in the message, and I'll try to be as brief and as quick as I can tonight. Verse number one, second Timothy chapter three. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, Fierce, despisers of those that are good, tradey, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive, and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts ever learning, and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so with these seven verses read tonight, we will start part number 10 of our series of what is sin. And uh, I'll not read over in the book of James, you've heard that, Uh, but uh, so far in nine different messages, excluding this number 10, in nine different messages and in two chapters we have covered 31 sins and there's a lot of folks today that that they will they judge their lives by convictions as opposed to commandments and i for one am i am a proponent of following the commandments of god and uh, usually those commandments intertwine with the conviction of the holy ghost but there's a lot of folks that will say, Well, I'll do this until God convicts me of it. Or, well, you you if you don't want to do this, that's fine, but God's never convicted me of it. Well, chances are they they have that attitude because if you were to interview them, you would find that I say, Well, I've never found that there's a verse that says, Thou shalt not do that. Well, this series that we've been doing is essentially one big thou shalt not. And it's listing these sins, one right after another. And oftentimes it's, it's in a language maybe that we don't understand, so we gotta dig a little bit deeper. And in, in doing that, we're ab- actually able to uncover, wow, God did talk about some of these things, I just didn't know about it. And so that, that's the premise of this. And just as good doctrine must be taught in every church, the opposite Teaching is as well. What do I mean by that? Well, doctrine is the teaching. You're, you're teaching what's right. You're teaching what we believe. We, we go back to the series that we did several years ago, what we believe, why we believe it, that type of thing. But we also must teach what we should not do. I, I've toyed around with the idea of, of maybe doing, it, it would be a series on what they believe. And uh, here's the reason why I say that I'm toying with it. One, because I don't want to confuse anybody. And so the premise of this, this thought would be, what do the Catholics believe? What do the Mormons believe? What do Jehovah's Witness believe? What do the uh, Church of Christian Science, what do they believe? All those things. And you say, well, I don't know. I I know Catholics and I know Methodists and I know this and I know, I know Jehovah's Witness and I know those type things. So that's really all I want to care about. What the problem is, is, is I was telling Ashlyn this in her Bible class, uh, yesterday or today. I don't remember one day this week, uh, that they're, um, if, if you've ever studied church history, uh, no matter what side of, of, the Baptist faith you are on, you will find that most quote-unquote church history, I'll get to the message here in a minute, I promise. Most of the church history that you will find, it, it goes silent after the disciples and picks up with the Catholic Church. And then that Catholic Church, it wasn't called then, it was the Church of Rome, it was the Roman Church, whatever, and it, it kind of disseminated other, other beliefs, if you will. Uh, but I firmly believe that we can trace our Baptist faith all the way back to Christ outside of the, outside of the Roman Catholic Church. And the reason I told Ashlyn this is because the, the curriculum, it's right in what it's saying, but it was taking too long to say it for me. And it kept using the word Reformation. and it kept using the word Reformed and this, that, and the other. And, and maybe you remember uh, back, uh, and I, I, I won't say it was the 1500s. I could be wrong in that. But there was the, the Reformation. That's when Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses on the Catholic Church wall. He essentially said, I don't believe this about the church. I don't like this about the church and disagree. No, point after point after point. And so at that point, there was a split off of the, the Roman Catholic Church, and it became the Lutheran, and then you have the, the Methodist, and on, on and on and on. Uh, but all throughout that, you have the Baptist faith, which were called the Donald, the Donatist, and then they, they had some other names, and then just before we dropped everything else, it was called the Anabaptist, and that simply meant that we wouldn't baptize babies in, to the faith, and, and we were, we stayed firm and now we're called Baptists, but then you have hard-shell Baptists and free-will Baptists and you have, uh, uh, somebody help me, you got the Southern Baptists, you got the Independent Baptists, then you got Recovering Independent Baptists, which if y'all see one of them, punch them right in her snout for me and tell them I said it. Amen? And so um, you got all these different things, but throughout all of it you have the Baptist faith that... I personally believe goes all the way back to Christ. Was Christ a Baptist? No, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't have a membership card in his back pocket. He didn't do it. Neither did John the Baptist. Reason why John the Baptist had that title is because he baptized. Okay, so it kind of makes sense. But as we go back through all of that, there are certain things that we need to know about other religions or other denominations because we will get tripped up in them. Again, I remember. I feel like I was in high school, maybe a maybe a freshman in high school, and I I made a friend with this fella, and he seemed he seemed we seemed to have the same likes and dislikes. He he talked about the Bible, he talked about church, and this that and the other. And uh, he invited me to church one time, and and I just just didn't feel right about it, and and uh, so I finally finally figured out. He kept saying just kind of the first part of the church, and. Um, but it, it ended up being a Pentecostal church. And so I never did go, um, but I kept trying to invite him uh, to my church, and he never did come to my church. And I, I, quite literally, Brother Terry, though, that's the only memory I have of this person. I don't remember his name. I don't remember anything about him. Just, just that one memory of us trying to get one another to come to the church. But for me, and I can't say for him, for me there was something saying, no, you don't need to get mixed into that. If I was a, a freshman in high school, I was, what, 14? So I was only two years saved, um, maybe about three or four years in church, but still, you know, I had to, I had the wherewithal to be able to guard myself against that. Uh, since then, especially in the pastorate, there's been people that have come into church from a different denomination and, and they, they normally ask, why, why do we do that? Or why don't we do this? And it's important to know, why other religions do things so that we can help, not fight, but help in that. That's not what we're talking about tonight. That was, <clears throat> that was free, but it hurt. Every bit of that hurt, so uh, you're welcome. But uh, I say that we need to know the right things to do in the doctrine, but we need to know the opposite as well. We need to, we need to know what we should not do. And that's the purpose of this. And, and really it needs to be more than don't do that because I said so. I mean, probably all parents have said to that question, why? Because I said so. Well, in, in the faith, in this spiritual realm that we're dealing with, it needs to be more than just a why, or it needs to be more than just a because I said so. There needs to be a, a, a reason. Really, I believe there needs to be a scripture and a verse for what we're talking about. So, I'm gonna go very quickly tonight. I said that 27 minutes ago, but I'm gonna go quickly now. Um, we've, we did this when we went from 1 Corinthians 6 over to Romans chapter 1, and so I'm gonna do that again because there's still some familiar terms. One is covetous. Matter of fact, if you look in verse number 2, I really would like to talk about verse number 1, but I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna do it. Verse number two, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient parents, unthankful and unholy. So, the first familiar term is that, that word covetous. Okay, now, if I'm not mistaken, it is 1 Corinthians 6 that says uh, covetous, but it is um, Romans chapter number one that deals with the person that is covetous. Okay, and so this word covetous, it simply is to, they are eager to have more, especially what belongs to others. Or they are greedy of gain. They they see, first thing I saw when, when the Dewberries walked in was that orange shirt that Brother Dewberries got on. And I thought, wow, I need me one of those. And uh, I, I, I couldn't fit in that one, so I'm not even going to ask you to let me have that one. But I thought, wow, I need one of those. Well, if it was, then I know that's silly, we kind of giggle, but if, if I was covetous of that, I'd have met you at the back door with a pocket knife and I'd shanked you under your fifth rib and I took it off of you. That's what covetous is, okay? You will do anything to have someone else's possession. You see someone roll in with a, with a new truck. You'll beg, borrow, and steal to have a new truck. That's a year newer than them or they have cloth seats, but you're going to one up them and you're going to get leather seats. I remember I got mad at Brother David. I really didn't, but because I knew I couldn't afford it. But I remember several, several years ago, we were up in Knoxville, and I wanted to go to a boot store. And and so he he said, well, I'll go with you. He was up at Mamaw Troutman's and Papaw Troutman's, and it was after Papaw Troutman passed away. So he was looking for a reason to get out of the house. And uh, some of y'all will get that here in a little while. But so we took off, and we went 30, 45 minutes across through the woods and everything. And I was in, I think I was in my truck, which... I mean, it it runs, but it's nothing to brag about, okay? And David was talking about his truck that he had. And he was talking about when he gets in it on a cold morning and he goes duck hunting or whatever, he can start that thing. And he said, I reached up there and grabbed the steering wheel and the steering wheel was heated. Right then, I knew I didn't like him. He talked about on a hot day how the seats would blow cold air all around you. and In the winter, how it would blow heat. And I thought, man, alive! if I wasn't saved, I'd be covetous right here. I thought about just dropping him off on the edge of some mountain over there and finding his truck and driving it myself. So that's the definition of covetous. Proud is, is the second, if you will, duplicate. In this case, it's triplicate. This is showing oneself above others. This is overtopping. We could go back to David on this. His truck was better than mine. But he's not here. He's crippled right now, so I'm not going to pick on him too bad. But it is showing oneself above others. It is being conspicuous over others. In other words, if I were to hide something, I would put it in an inconspicuous place. I wouldn't put it in a place that everybody would look well if someone has this this pride in their life they want everyone to look at them they want everyone to notice them it is an overconfidence of one's means or one's merits now uh, you can look and we talked a little bit about pride last night and by the way I, and he did brother kurt didn't didn't preach on this but he preached on grace uh last night at the lost and found and he did an excellent job. I couldn't write quick enough. So, if I happen to preach about grace here in the next little while, y'all pay no attention to the statement that I just made cuz I outright stole it. Um but if Kurt happens to preach, maybe he'll preach that and you can know what I'm talking about. But um uh, pride or the the word proud is mentioned 24 times in Psalms and Proverbs. We told you this the last time we mentioned this. Pride, though, is mentioned 12 times. And, and those together, it means they're well-known or they are full of themselves. And so here, Paul is telling Timothy that in last days, there's going to be people that are covetous and there's going to be people that are proud. But then he says, boasters. Now, a boaster is an empty pretender. In other words, they have a white coat on, they have a thesis, thesis, the stethoscope, I'll get it out in a minute. They have one of them things that they can hear your heart with, and they put it in their ears and they walk around like, like they know how to be a doctor, but they, they don't. They've never went to school, they've never tried to to say any of those big old long words, they've never looked at x-rays like, I just looked at Brother Terry's like I knew what I was... Doing and I said, oh, yeah, they're going to fix you right up, brother. I got a clue. I mean, has, how many of you men ever looked at an ultrasound and knew head from tails the first time? Not I, said the blind man. I got two in my Bible of the the two youngins that God took from us. But, I mean, now I've looked at them so far, it's so long, Brother Stanley, I kind of know. But when they first bring that screen up there, and they say, Okay, here's all you got, a baby. Here's the head. I'm like, Okay. Oh, it's a girl. I'm like, Huh? Okay, I believe you. I mean, there's no sense in me pretending I... If I ever walk in your room with a white coat and a stethoscope, y'all better call out somebody because you, you fish and get hurt. I'm going to tell you. I may be a pretender, but it's empty. There, there, there's, I, I'm not a doctor. I have no skills in that. And if I, I mean, we could go on and on with those things, but God warns us about these boasters. It's someone that claims to be more than they are. Another word is the braggart under this boaster. They are vain or showy. they they take on great airs, they puff themselves up. Uh, they act in a way that shows one thinks that he's better than others. And then he uses here in verse number uh verse number two he says the disobedient to parents. And there is a word. Um, my my spell check does not like it, so I don't know if it's just an unused word or what. But it is, is impersuasable. In other words, they are not compliant and they will not listen to reason. Now, what are we talking about? Disobedient to parent. This is someone that that is not compliant to, to parents. They will not listen to the reason from their parents. Okay, y'all, y'all listen to the emphasis that I'm placing on this. They, these disobedient to parents, they are absolute in their own thinking. Disobedient to parent is, is someone that is not only disobedient, this is, this is just as vanilla as it can be, but they are disobedient to their parents. If there's one, if there's two people that a child should listen to, it should be their parents. It should not be the man on the television, or the man on social media, or man down at the gas station, or or I'll go one step further. It should not be above the parents. It should not be the teacher or the coach or or the whatever it is. You should be obedient to parents first and foremost. Matter of fact, it goes. I know, I'm not not going to read it, but it says this is the first commandment with promise. What is that promise? That your Life may be long; that your years may be many, if you obey mom and daddy. It says you'll have long life. That's what it says. So, there's disobedient parents, and then last of this familiar is without natural affection. Now, this was one of the last lessons. As a matter of fact, this was in the last lesson that we did uh, out of Romans chapter number one, and uh, Romans chapter number one. Some of them got pretty rough. I ain't gonna lie to you. They're rough to preach. They had to be rough to hear. Uh, but this, without natural affection, um, this is, this is not speaking of anything having to do with, um intimacy or sexual immorality. What this natural affection is, they are unsociable. Uh, in other words, they, they, they won't make friends. And this is where I think it was Rachel, uh, that kinda, uh she's like, I ain't, I ain't awkward. I asked about the homeschool kids, and I said, all right, you're awkward. And she said, no, I'm not awkward. She'll go, she'll talk that wall right there and carry on the conversation with that wall, I promise you. I don't know how she is around closed doors, behind closed doors, but that's that's what I see. I mean, she'll just, she'll open that door, and she'll well, thank you. Rachel says thank you, and then she'll go on. Y'all know what I'm talking about with that Rachel. What is that first person, second person, third person? What is that when you talk about yourself? third person yeah rachel's got all three of them living up there now she ain't here tonight apparently or she back there she ain't here okay all right i've talked about her she ain't here she can't whoop me up david might be able to whoop me but i ain't scared of rachel but but it was in this when we were when we were dealing about unsociable and i wasn't specifically talking about her and i was just making a broad statement about homeschoolers but but sometimes people just they're it's not that they're awkward but rather they they don't they don't want to be around folks all right that's not what i'm talking about this this person without natural affection is they do not crave friendship they do not crave a relationship with someone they are unsociable the the, the other definition is and i had to had to make sure my mind was in the right place it is the word inhuman You could say inhumane and be correct in it, but it is the word inhuman. This goes a little further in its definition than inhumane. To be inhuman, to be without natural affection, is to be cruel, to be monstrous, or to be barbaric. In other words, someone else's pain does not bother you. Someone else's struggle does not... You're, you're callous to everything. That's this without natural affection. So now, let's look at number one tonight in our actual lesson. We look back at verse number two. We have, we have gone through five different repeats, if you will. But verse number two, For men shall be lovers of their own selves. This lovers of their own selves it carries a lot of weight as does being proud. Uh, it means too intent on one's interest. You're you're uh, uh, kind of in 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 contrast with being proud. Proud wants you to be right there in front of everybody, and that is your interest that everybody sees you. But this lovers of their own selves this is. You really don't care what anybody else says, but you are so focused on yourself you can't focus on anyone else. There, the this this phrase "lovers of their own selves" this comes from the Greek and it is philatos. Now, if you were to see it in my notes, you would kind of understand this, but this sounds a whole lot like phileo and auto. Now, you know, if you have a a vehicle and it is an automatic or it is an automobile, it has mechanics that will allow it to go with no effort from you. If you were flying a plane and you put in the coordinates and you placed it on autopilot, it would run with no help from you, okay? But then this word "fill" or phileo, you may remember it, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Okay, so this phileo is brotherly love. Now we're talking about lovers of their own selves. It is this word phileo and auto, philatos, and it means love of one's self. Paul told Timothy in these last days, there's going to be lovers of their own of their own selves. Now, I could tie some of these things back to current movements. Some of them are called movements. Uh, Some of them are called rights, some of them are called all kinds of different things right now. But some of this that we're talking about over these last nine lessons, they are relevant today. This is not something that only Paul dealt with 2,000 years ago. This is something that you and I are dealing with today. And when we step out these doors, we may have to deal with them, and we may be tempted to do them, and we need to know that they're wrong. And so this is lovers of their own selves. In simple terms, they are selfish so much so that they're blinded to everyone else's needs. The next in our text verse here, he says lovers of their own selves, covetous, we've dealt with, boasters, we, proud, we've dealt with, but then blasphemers. Blasphemer, It, it notice this is a blasphemer, not blaspheming. Okay so notice that this is not an act but it is a title of one that commits the act okay and so this is one who speaks evil especially of godly things they speak evil of any uh, they speak evil of God's word of his house his people regardless of what the subject is these blasphemers are speaking evil. They are slanderous to the point of being abusive. As we've already said about some of these others, they do not care. So at this point, Paul is telling Timothy that there are, there are, there are people that you will come in contact with that they are so cold to God that they, they will curse him to his face and never bat an eye. I don't know how y'all are, and I told you just a couple of days ago, I ran across that in something I was watching. It, man, it, I mean, it sent hot flames down my back. I mean, just, mmm, it just wears me out. And I, I, I think about these folks that do this. I, I could probably call, I could probably call one person's name. It is a male. I could probably call this fella's name. And everybody would would at least know something that he's played in, and especially some of you girls would get all googly eyed. But outside of what he played, um, if you if you go a little bit deeper and you see into his social media and you see in other things that he's played in, you find some some foul words and foul ideas that come from him. And so in that, I, I personally take issue with it, even in something that may be considered clean. Because it's the same person doing both. As as a Christian, we are warned about these things. I've I, I got to go back over here. I, I, I just got to. We are warned as Christians about these things, of course, so we don't do them. But Romans chapter number 1 went one step further. And it says in verse 32, it gives this long list, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death. So they know if you do these things, it's wrong. But then not only do the same, but have pleasure in them That do them. Now, y'all let that sink in for a minute. It doesn't even say that you have pleasure in the things that they are doing. It says you have pleasure in them that do these things. Huh. That means most of our movies are out. Most of our television shows are out. Quite a few of the folks we hang out with are out. Some of the places we go are out. Y'all, y'all feeling me tonight? You understand? We're talking about things that are wrong that we shouldn't do, but Paul went one step further. Y'all think I'm hard sometimes. Paul, he, was, he wasn't messing around. He said, if you, if you in, Kurt, I'm just gonna use you, if, if, if you, outside of this setting, if you were out there and you were foul mouthed and you were drunk and you, I mean, you were just all kinds, you were in all kinds of mess, but I was buddy buddy with you and I found pleasure in hanging out with you, whether I did those things or not, I'm in the wrong. Amen, preacher. So, as we go through this, think, Well, yeah, that is a sin. I don't need to do that, but remember too that there are some folks that we surround ourselves with that they do those things, and it's rubbing off on us. Uh, Again, not going to name any names, but I I saw a video, saw not a video, saw a picture today of uh, someone that uh, that I know personally. Um, Have called him a friend. And uh I may have even talked a little bit about him um, in different messages. But in this video, I watched a man that professes to be a Christian, that holds an office in a Baptist church. <clears throat> in a Baptist church. Holds an office in a Baptist church. He was on a bus with his family. Ain't nothing wrong with being on a bus, right? Ain't nothing wrong with that. Had flashing lights in the bus. Ain't nothing wrong with flashing lights. I like light. I like purple lights. I like green lights. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But himself included, and several all the way around the bus had either a beer or a canned alcoholic beverage, whatever you want to call it. And he's gonna he's gonna go back to church Sunday. And he's gonna act like everything's okay, and he's gonna raise his hands. And he's going to say, Amen, preacher. He's going to stand up and he's going to testify about things that I know personally that God has done. But yet he surrounded himself with people. I'm just going to say it, and I don't want to be overdramatic, as sometimes those preachers are. But he surrounded himself by wickedness and people that partake in the wickedness. And now, whether it was something hard in that can or not, now he's associated with it. Let me go one step further. I ain't got nowhere else to be. I ain't got nowhere else to be. We first moved down here. I tell you what, between my suspenders and this thing, whoo, I'm fighting an uphill battle. We first moved down here, we went to La Hacienda. Some of the, some of y'all call it Laha. If y'all get saved, you call it by its name, La Hacienda, that's the name of it. We was at the La Hacienda. And uh, David and Tony were there, and <clears throat> I, I mean I wasn't being nosy. I was just looking around, you know. You see, and I don't know if it's just Mexican restaurants, but they always have those big, almost like half gallon glasses, and they got the colored stuff in it. Mar, I don't know if it's a margarita. Um, they have they have those things, and 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 there was bottles, and there was those um was some other kind of fancy looking glass and everything. And uh, David just kind of made a kind of a statement he said now you look around he said i know probably more than half of these people and he said most of them has got some sort of alcohol on their table or in their hand and he said they'll be at church this was on saturday night he said they'll be at church tomorrow some of them will be teaching sunday school i know this is not proper but some of them will be deaconing tomorrow He didn't say anything about preaching, Brother Jim, so I don't know if there's any preachers there. I I don't know none of them. But listen, we, we read it just the other day. Paul was talking about himself, but referencing back to God. He said, ye are our epistle written and read of all men. If the only Bible that this world picks up is us, what are they reading? Are they reading that, hey, we know right and wrong we choose to stay with the right we choose to stay with the stuff and we're not going to associate with those i said with those that have anything to do with it now listen to me I, i've been there i've done that that means losing friends that means losing business that means that means a loss i'm going to tell you something this is, this, this is it i'm going to tell you something if you're going to follow christ if you're going to gain Christ, you're going to lose the world. That's the only way you can gain Christ.